letting me spout my mouth off, talk about a such, show code pink. You think you're going to hear that on any other alternative uh, right program? You know, there, there are alternative media programs that are going to talk about this, thank God. But we really need to be hammering it home to free Julian Assange. And now a word from our sponsor. And he's interrupting this commercial. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Dog whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. Use that promo code RVM. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, I want to talk Glenn Beck and 9-11, okay? Beck did about a three-minute piece talking about the complete and total media blackout on the CIA revelations with the hijackers Khalid Almadar in particular. Now, where I believe Beck gets it wrong at the end of this is that somehow the FBI was shielded by the fact that Almadar and I think it's Al Nawafi were uh, Central Intelligence Agency recruits or assets. I find that extremely hard to believe that uh, people within the FBI were unaware of this because what? Almadar was living with and renting from an FBI asset and informant as well. And as I've discussed many, 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 many times here, and we've shown you the video, the, the James Woods incident is another incident where clearly the hijackers were protected. Because you wouldn't have an incident where a pilot, a stewardess, and a Hollywood actor said, hey, these guys are going to hijack a plane, and you better look at them, that they wouldn't look at them. Of course, immediately. I mean, it's not like every day. The Federal uh, Bureau of Investigations, the DOJ, the DOD, get a legitimate commercial airline hijacking threat. That's not that's not every day. Sorry, especially when you're connected to foreigners. That when you look at the money, are are connected to not only um, Saudi nationals but the Pakistani ISI. Of course you look at that. And then you have Walid Al-Shiri, again, having the CIA called on him individually. No one seems to wrap that in, put that in with this story. They need to. Because when you're at the point where you're not calling local police and you're calling the Central Intelligence Agency about your neighbors, um, shizzle must be a popping off. All pre-9-11. Then you look at a bunch of these guys. For instance, this story takes place like in L.A. County, okay? I'm over on the left coast. Look at the Florida flight, flight schools. 
Look at the military connections in this country, in Florida, in California, Monterey in particular, at Maxwell Air Force Base. It's all there. It's all there. And, and yesterday, it's funny. I was watching uh, H2, H History 2. H2 is usually better than the History Channel, which is, you know, just complete and total uh, trash. Not as good as uh, AHC, which I like. And I, I, everything has to be taken with a grain of salt and a lens, and especially this story will tell you that. But first they had, I think it was uh, America's Secret Book or, or Codes and Conspiracies. And it's, it's funny for me to watch. Um, martial law plans from the Obama era, so the pre-Trump era, all this stuff. I think that's that show was shot in like 2012, 2013. It's over a decade old. But I'll see somebody like Bill Crystal, Project for a New American Century, total neocon, kind of a mentor to Tucker Carlson back in the day before the, the Tuckins figured it out and started calling out Crystal on his show as a warmonger, by the way. It, it's incredible. I see that person, okay? In the same episode with someone like Michael Rivero, who Rivero's in my film Fabled Enemies, which we'll talk about because Fabled Enemies has that CIA clip, takes you on the journey of these hijackers and the connections they had to intelligence, able danger, all that stuff. Uh, but Rivero in particular in that film uh, comments on the Israeli connection, not only the uh, dancing Israelis, or the possible explosives and vans Israelis, not that, but also Amdocs and Converse telecommunication companies and this network that was being quietly rounded up pre-9-11 and that post-9-11, they arrested and detained a bunch of them as well. Colin Powell acknowledged it. It's all in the film. Ari Fleischer acknowledged it. I'd, I'd, I'd tell you to go talk to the Defense Department. You know, that's... That's not, yeah, I, I, I can't really comment on that. Hmm, interesting. All these things have been around for a very, very long time. Very long time. And so finally, Glenn Beck is talking about it. We are, uh, we're going to show that clip, but th this is what I'd love the Burmese Brigade to do. If you are on Twitter, okay? Again, we're trying to use things as a tool here. Everything's a tool. I, uh... I tagged Alex Stein because it was his retweet that got me this story that we're about to play. Finally, Beck talks about 9-11. At Alex Stein, should have him give Fabled Enemies from 20 or uh, 2008 a look. If you guys could retweet the hell out of this, heart it, retweet it, okay? Let people know that you want Glenn Beck to at least look at this film. Look at this film, Glenn. 15 years old now, Glenn, and, and now you're. We're gonna play his clip now, but now you're finally asking some real questions about 9/11 and the media, which good. It's long overdue, but um, let's let's just go to the clip, everybody. Let's let's hear what Glenn has to say. Let me show you this. This is a document from the sworn declaration of a 9/11 investigator with the Office of Military Commissions, part of the Department of Defense's Military Commission's Defense Organization. This document is dated July 20th, 2021. Now, it first appeared on a former Washington Post journalist substack, Jeff Stein's Spy Talk. Now, before- Isn't that funny? 
Like, like the, like we're just talking about the Washington Post. They're sitting there on World uh, Press Freedom Day, loving blink, loving blinking, not talking to Assange. The legitimate journalists have to leave. They're like, what happened? And they go to Substack. And look, I'm glad Substack exists. And any outlet, remember when you used to be able to dig things, like you'd actually be able to promote it. The people could promote. They, they've taken away every legitimate way for the people to do that by putting algorithmic boundaries on what's acceptable to talk about. Before I go any further, have you heard anything new at all regarding the 9-11 investigation in the last 10 years? Anything. Have you heard anything about the newly discovered sworn declaration anywhere in the mainstream media? I saw it once. Maybe there's nothing to it. Well, I mean, nothing is probably a little too harsh. Just the allegation from multiple FBI agents that the CIA was running an illegal domestic spy agency inside the United States. And that's the other thing. We have to acknowledge that even with the Snowden documents, another person, I mean, again, you can't really... Um, you can't really pardon these people because they, uh, Snowden in particular, hasn't even been charged with a crime, let alone convicted. And Assange certainly hasn't been convicted of anything in this country at all and should not be deported to this country. But they're going to wait it out, man. They'll just let him rot in Belmarsh. Honestly, they're hoping that he ends up dying or taking his own life out, out of the madness that they put him through. The declaration says that the Saudis were being used as intermediaries to recruit al-Qaeda operatives for the CIA. Quote, al-Bawami was an intelligent, it could be Salami, I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, um, he was running, uh, he was an intelligence officer in the uh, employ of the Saudi government. He was, quote, directed to attempt to recruit two of the 9-11 hijackers at the Saudi consulate in Los Angeles. And remember, it's the consulate in Saudi Arabia that's giving these guys passports. That's a front for the Central Intelligence Agency and absolutely working with Saudi Arabian intelligence. See how that works? See how that works? This declaration alleges the CIA knew the hijackers were inside the United States. And they wanted to work with them, to recruit them through an, an illegal domestic espionage operation and hid everything from the FBI. And look, I'm not saying that that's not, that's not true on the surface, but the idea that there weren't elements of the FBI that were well aware of this program, too, that's, I think that's Johnny nonsense with all the evidence given. This information just came out, just came out. Does anybody find that interesting? Does anybody find it interesting that it's not everywhere in the mainstream media? I mean, the CIA was running illegal operations that accidentally led to the worst tragedy on American soil. I mean, that seems kind of newsworthy. Where's the curiosity from the press? Is it a problem of sourcing? Well, let's see. This account comes after the interviews of 11 ex-FBI agents, 
two ex-CIA agents, a CNN investigative journalist, former deputy of national security advisor Richard Clark, and former Senator Bob Graham from Florida, a de Democrat. So he's also going to talk about how he co-chaired the initial congressional investigation. All this stuff is covered in more. And Bob Graham, by the way, is in my film Fabled Enemies that we're going to try to get Glenn Beck to watch, admitting that he knew the Pakistani ISI chief was working with the Taliban. That wasn't a secret. Joe Biden admitting that he met with that guy, amongst many others like George Tenet, Condoleezza Rice, who would uh, deny that. And then, of course, been, be proven a liar. No one talks about that. Right? Meanwhile, you got Philip Zelikow, the main cover-up king with, uh, what was it, the Ke the Keen, man, the Keen Hamilton Commission. Lee Hamilton, you know, JFK guy. Lee Hamilton, huh? Little Warren Report guy. Yeah. And Zelikow, after him and Condi, they, they wrote a book together. <laughs> He's the head of the 9-11 Commission writing the book, and guess what? He's part of the new War on COVID report. I mean, talk about obfuscation, limited hangout, whitewash, garbage, and trash, man. And Richard Clark, as we've discussed here before, and we played the video a couple weeks back when we were talking about this story, um, openly was talking about this CI connection all the way back in 2011. All the way back in 2011. It's not new, everybody. He was the co-chair of Congress's joint inquiry into 9-11. I don't know. It's an amazing claim. It seems to have a lot of sources, but the media doesn't care. Nope, they sure don't, Glenn, and it's not a shock. And remember, you didn't help things. You didn't help things uh, when that first came out at all, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. So um, we're coming up on another commercial break. Before we get there, uh, I want to talk about this story quick because it's something we highlighted before the mainstream media uh, allowed it to be mentioned, perhaps because Jamie Foxx is said to have um, tweeted something out. I'm not sure if it's in this this story, but he's, you know, he's like, thanks for all. Here it is right here. From the Fox family, we want to share that my father, Jamie Foxx, experienced Oh, this is... From the very beginning. Um, there also may be a picture of him in a hospital bed. I'm not sure if that's legit, but basically they're still not saying what the medical emergency was. But if you look it up, uh, there's some people that are talking uh, a brain aneurysm, but the, the popular one is he suffered a stroke on set and had to be revived. I'm not saying that. I'm just going to type it in. Let's just, let's just type it in. Where are you, Jamie? Let's see. So, Jamie Fox stroke. Okay. They they say uh, Jamie suffers from high blood pressure, which doctors uh, say can cause clots in the brain, leading to stroke. So that's probably midday.com and entertainment news, right there. Uh, the, I think they're easing you into it. That's the first time I've seen that there at all. And now you know. You're, you're seeing what this, this is a Nigerian site, but it was only the hip hop community that uh, was talking about that at all. Maybe Ebony is now talking about it. Let's see, revive, let's see what, let's see if Ebony dare uses the term um, stroke a week ago. I doubt it, but it may, may maybe they did. That'd be about as mainstream as it got for this. 
Yep. Yep, said the insider. So there it is. Uh, Ebony was probably the, the biggest one to actually say that a week ago, whereas it's not being discussed. But what we're going to discuss here is a word from our sponsor. Folks, we have a huge problem on our hands. A banking crisis is spiraling, and it's all thanks to the current administration's reckless spending sky-high inflation, and massive interest rate hikes. Now, these banks are suffering, and guess what? They can legally seize your savings without notice to bail themselves out. That's right. Thanks to a sneaky law passed back in 2008, it's now legal for banks to take your hard-earned money, including your retirement savings, to save themselves. Now, this could leave your retirement accounts decimated and you paying the price for their disastrous policies. Take action now before it's too late. Now this guide will show you how to defend your money and keep your retirement savings safe from the banking crisis and the current administration's financial fiasco. This simple and 100% legal strategy may help you protect your retirement against higher taxes, soaring inflation, and a volatile economy. So don't let your golden years be ruined by someone else's mistakes. To secure your free wealth protection guide and safeguard what's rightfully yours. Don't wait. The time to act is now. RVMGoldAndSilver.com. But what we want you to do is to sign up for RVM Premium, RedVoiceMedia.com slash Jason, RedVoiceMedia.com dot com slash uncensored please consider ten dollars a month it's only a buck to start okay you get the first week for <coughs> the dollar then it's ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars for the year lock it in it supports the broadcast we're trying to bring as many people over as possible again two interviews coming up this week we're going to be leaving youtube in just under 15 minutes but the second hour live and free over at redvoicemedia.com or either of our rumbles, or if you're on Rockfin, you can also watch the second hour there. Um, we're going to be talking about the uh, the two Democratic social media young stars going on Tim Dillon. And boy, Tim is just, Tim, I like Tim. You know, I've been on one podcast with him. I've talked to him a little bit behind the scenes. I like comedy in general. I think he's a funny guy. But I, I like the fact that he got these kids on the show, and they are. I'm sorry, they're kids. Uh, you know, when I say kid, too, I don't, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to young people because I know I hated that. But I'll sit there and I'll watch MMA or the UFC, and I'll watch like somebody who's in their mid 20s. They go, "Oh, this kid is tough." That's kind of what I mean by it. That's kind of what I mean. That's all. That's all. All right. Um, we got plenty of other clips other than that that I wanted to play. Uh, in particular, this one, RFK breaking down NATO and Russia, especially after the media. It's, it's unbelievable. Again, it's not something we focused on, but Russia, 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 Russia came back with more ludicrous Johnny nonsense yesterday, where there were these weird drone attacks of explosives over at the Kremlin. Now, maybe we should do that live. Let's let let's see if we can bring this up because when I watch it. I'm like, is this a real threat? Where did this come from? They're saying Russia may have done it to itself to false flag it. Um, even some in the mainstream media seem to be uh, reluctant to go with that. So here it is here. You know, it, you just type in Kremlin and you can find it. Um, let's go with this one. 
Like, what is that? Don't get me wrong. If uh, like you see the size of that, like let's take a look at it right there. And yeah, about the size of a door or a window. But if if you're telling me that there couldn't be something of more sophistication and even the vulnerability, the whole thing is just highly suspect. But Russia doing it to themselves, I don't know. Actually, my boy Stuart J. Hooper, I didn't pull this clip, but I did uh, retweet it. Had a little something to say about it. So let's let's hear it from him. He's one of my favorite guests to have on the show. It doesn't matter really where this came from. It's an excuse for escalation on either side. If it comes from the Ukrainians, well, that's an escalation in and of itself. Um, if it comes from the Russians attacking themselves, it's an excuse to escalate this conflict further. This all comes back to the central point I have made again and again and again on this channel since, again, the start of this conflict. This war needs to end. This war is benefiting absolutely nobody except the military industrial complex in the Western world and some key political elites amongst the nations that are involved in this conflict. 100%. 100%. My boy lays it down very well. And here is RFK talking about the NATO and uh, Russia situation that everybody seems to forget. We should have listened uh, maybe to Putin over many years. You know, we, we made a commitment to Russia, to Gorbachev, that we would not move NATO one inch to the east. So, you know, why did we, then we went in and we lied. We went into 13 NATO countries. We put missile systems in that with nuclear that with nuclear capacity we um we did joint exercises with the ukraine and these others from nato you know what is the purpose of nato other than to oppose russia and if you're if you're if you if you're addressing russia hostily from the beginning of course their um their reaction is going to be a hostile reaction back and as if you're slowly moving in little all of these states who we said would never be become part of nato or suddenly become part of nato you know and and then you know and we know what happened in the ukraine in the u.s um supported a essentially a coup d'etat in 2014 against the democratically elected government of of ukraine and we put in place, and we now have, you know, the, the telephone call transcripts. Uh, Victoria Newland, one of the neocons in the White House, then handpicking the new cabinet that was hostile to the Soviet Union. And so, you know, if you if you look at that and you put yourself in Russia's position and you say, okay, the United States, our biggest enemy, that's treating us as an enemy, has now taken over the government of a nation that it and made them hostile to us and then start you know passing laws that are prejudicial to this, this giant russian population if mexico did that and then started killing they killed fourteen thousand russians and dumped us the ukrainian government if mexico did that to expatriate americans we'd invade in a second so you know i think we have to we have to put ourselves in these shoes of our opponents and it doesn't mean saying that vladimir putin is not a gangster he is that he's not a thug he is that he's not a bully he is 
but it, going to war is not in his interest either. And he repeatedly told us, these are red lines you're caught crossing. And they crossed them again and again, and they continue to cross them. Continue Again, the idea that the United States is not running the operation on the ground, the idea that the Starlink slash blackjack system that is being utilized for modern warfare there isn't ours, is it's ludicrous, it's insane. It's Johnny nonsense is what it is, okay? Can we get 150 thumbs up in the shares? And remember to rumble on over in about six minutes. I want to play this clip to be fair. I want to play this clip to be fair because, look, if I'm going to be pro-RFK, so many people are saying, well, he wants climate uh, change people to be arrested. And I've discussed, I I've discussed this before, saying, look, it was nine years ago. The video is also taken out of context. He doesn't say that. We're going to play it so you can understand that. He's talking about specifically the Koch brothers. And you notice they don't even have the actual question they ask him. All right. He just starts talking about global warming and the science being undeniable. And I hope that he's changed his mind on that. I really do. I really, really do. Um, he's also talking about laws against politicians um, that lie. But nowhere in this clip does he call for people who deny climate change to go to jail. I want to make that clear too. And plus, I really hope now that he's seen uh, post-COVID-1984 nightmare, what the World Health Organization, the UN, the Davos crowd, the, the driving forces publicly of this agenda are capable of, that he's reconsidered. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. So let's play the clip. This is, this is the clip everybody's uh, telling me is why I shouldn't get behind RFK Jr. Well, I think they should be in jail. I think they should be enjoying three huts and a cot at the Hague with all the other war criminals who are there. What about politicians, uh, people who deny? So now let me let me uh, let me stop you. So I want to I want to just tell you how this is framed. In every post I've seen this on, he, he they make it sound like he was asked the question: people that deny climate change. That's not what he was asked at all. He was specifically asked about the Koch brothers. So I'm going to bring it back and let him say this. Well, I think they should be in jail. I think they should be enjoying three huts and a cot at the Hague with all the other war criminals who are there. What about politicians, uh, people who deny, who express skepticism? They're selling out the public trust. And, you know, I think those guys who are doing the, the Koch brothers bidding and who are against all the evidence of the rational mind are saying that global warming doesn't exist, that they are contemptible human beings, and that, you know, I wish that there were a law you could punish them under. I don't think there's a, war, a law that you can punish those politicians under, but I do I think the Koch brothers should be prosecuted for reckless endangerment? Absolutely. That's a criminal offense, and they ought to be serving time for it. So, again, you, it, the way everybody framed it, is he wants people that deny climate change or global warming to go to jail. Think about what he just said. He he specifically talks about the Koch brothers being prosecuted not because they're denying climate change or uh, global warming, but because they have to be accountable for what they've done to the environment. Let's bring it back. I'm going to say, say it again. So look, are there parts of this I completely disagree with, with, with uh, RFK? You better, you bet. You better bet your butt. But I'm not going to stump for the Koch brothers. <laughs>
to punish them under. I don't think there's a, war, a law that you can punish those politicians under, but I, do I think the Koch brothers should be prosecuted for reckless endangerment? Absolutely. That's a criminal offense, and they ought to be serving time for it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate okay. it. So there it is. There, there's, the, there's the big bad clip that makes me uh, not not uh, be the guy for him. They, they're telling me, that's he's bad. Meanwhile, he's putting stuff like this out. Cryptocurrencies led by, by Bitcoin, along with other crypto technologies, are a major innovation engine. It is a mistake for the U.S. government to hobble the industry and drive innovation elsewhere. Biden's proposed 30% tax on cryptocurrency mining is a bad idea. It's crazy, by the way. It's totally insane. Yeah, a 30%, like again, where is the where is the baseline on capitalism? And and look, they're trying to use it, they're trying to say this because of energy. It's all again, all bullshit. This you should use less. Get out of here with that. Yes, energy use is a concern, though somewhat overstated. You bet it is. But Bitcoin mining uses about the same as video games, and no one is calling for a ban on those. The environmental argument is a selective pretext to support, suppress anything that threatens the elite power structures. Bitcoin, for example. Some advocates uh, tight control of cryptocurrencies to prevent their use by criminals, but it isn't just criminals who want privacy. So do dissidents and ordinary citizens. We're going to read the rest of it in a second after we have a word from our sponsor. We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi-Fi while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish. RVMVPN.com. I actually do use IP Vanish. That's not a joke. You know what? I'll, I'll do it live. It's actually even in my regular bar. Um, but here it is. That's that's what, what it looks like when you when you actually use the IP Vanish. And I'm a big fan of it. Okay, YouTube, here's the deal. We're leaving. We're going. Arrivederci. Sayonara. See you later. Thumbs it up. Subscribe and share. I love you. But come on over to Rumble and Rockman for the uncensored, the uncensored second hour. And remember, redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. That's going to get you two, two, two exclusive interviews this weekend only at redvoicemedia.com. So YouTube, arrivederci. Ah, yes. The second uncensored hour of truth. Glad to be here, everybody. Glad you came over. Glad you're listening and loving it. I'm hoping you're sharing it. I'm hoping that you're also, you know, now that you're over on that second hour, you're also going to get Glenn Beck to watch Fabled Enemies. Enough of this accidentally let it to let it let it occur. And you could tag Alex Stein in that. You know, he's the one that retweeted it. He works over at the Blaze. We've had Alex on the program. We appreciate a, a lot of what he does. Imperfect human being, but a very funny individual. And it's different strokes for different folks. That's how I look at it. So let's continue with this, uh, this statement from RFK Jr. about cryptocurrencies. <sighs> but it isn't just criminals who want privacy. So do dissidents and ordinary citizens. Governments harass their enemies and crush dissent by controlling bank accounts and payment platforms. 
until we restore trust in government, a distant prospect. We need cash and crypto to ensure freedom. Just as a biodiverse ecosystem is a resilient ecosystem, so too will our economy be more resilient if it has a diverse ecology of currencies, not just a single centrally controlled one. We are seeing today how fragile our over-centralized system is. Bank failures afoot, inflation everywhere. Wasn't transitory, no, no, no. Payment platform penalties. Say it with me now, payment platform penalties. Don't have the wrong opinion. And, and, and look, to be fair, because we were talking climate change, we gave RFK, um, you know, his word on it. I want you to watch Ron Johnson break down how this green agenda is totally ludicrous, is, is set up really to not only economically devastate us, but it's based in imagination land. In your testimony, you said that the subsidies in the U.S. for fossil fuels about $12 billion over five years, correct? The Inflation Reduction Act, uh, I think it's over 10 years, uh, over about $400 billion, but a Goldman Sachs uh, study said to be closer to $1.2 trillion. So just comparing that $12 billion versus $1,200 billion worth of costs, sure subsidizing a whole lot more green energy, correct? According to those numbers, yes. According to those numbers, yes. Well, again, According to the real numbers, yes. 100 times higher costs. And that's just one piece of legislation. Uh, let's talk about the benefits. Uh, I think it's undeniable that fossil fuel is going to power 80% of our economies decades in the future, correct? So when you're powering 80% of the economy, you're, oh, I don't know, you're paying for air conditioning to allow people to escape the heat. Um, certainly, China and India are going to use fossil fuels to lift their people out of poverty. Uh, Ms. Gary, do you believe there's any chance whatsoever that India and China are going to stop using fossil fuels? Nor do I think we will. Yes. Right. Zero, yeah. zero chance of that. Okay. Uh, are you aware of the climate alarmist studies? Their own models show that even if we eliminated all CO2 emissions in the United States, it would have a negligible, less than a degree difference in terms of what their projections say in terms of climate change. Among other things, again, when you look at this, they're telling you that 0.04% is about all we can handle. We got to get down to 0.02%. Car carbon is not the problem. Carbon is not the problem. Carbon is not the problem. Sorry. So, And, and maybe uh, RFK thinks it is. Hey, buddy, I know that you, you've looked at real pollutants, real issues such as mercury, heavy metals, toxins. I'm concerned about the air. I'm concerned about the war, uh, water. I'm concerned about my food supply as well, especially because the air and the water affect the food supply no matter what. When the food supply continually becomes more and more GMO and more and more processed, no bueno. No bueno. Okay? And, you know, I'm glad I made that food supply uh, analogy. And we're talking about all of this because when we're talking about climate change and the actual agenda, it's about command and control. That's what it's about. And it's really about population control. And if you don't think that people behind 
the New World Order or the Great Reset Agenda or the technocracy, which is really a technopoly, don't have this social Darwinistic, sadistic, sociopathic, psychopathic mindset, I need you to listen and listen good to Howard Scott, who was the founder of, I believe it's Technocracy Inc., talking about these things, pro-population control, talking about how he knew Margaret Sanger, Little Miss Eugenics, Little Miss, we've got to get rid of the black weeds population, all right? And he's like, look, we need to put it in the food supply. We put it in the candy. We don't need to let them know. I mean, literally to sterilize people. And if you don't think it goes from just you know, disease and sterilization to euthanasia, again, you're not paying attention. All of it is sadistic and wrong and evil and should be fought against. So Howard Scott, it's about a four-minute clip. Uh, I'm going to try to play as much of it without me running my big mouth as possible. No, they both... Planned Parenthood, Birth Control League, and all that. Well, I knew Margaret Sanger. Did you? Yeah, way back. Uh, oh, there was an old English tea room. 40th Street or someplace or what. And there was a gravestone company next to it then. There weren't many buildings in there. And uh, you got crumpets and uh, muffins and... A nice little thing. I remember Bill Williams and a whole bunch more and Margaret Sanger. And uh, I said, well, yeah, to you it's a car salam. But it isn't birth control that you're preaching. It's voluntary parenthood. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a distinction there, you're right. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> I said, uh, you may have been driven into this because you had eight children. I think it was eight. I've forgotten. Some number of children she had. Mm. But I said, as a collective measure, you have to have a collective means of doing it. Well, of course, we have advocated uh, the hell with all this voluntary parenthood. That is not going to stop reproduction. And uh, we have stated this in the public platform time and time again, that the female of the human species has had the power and the facility to dissolve the fetus without any deleterious results to her reproductive or her general metabolism. That's been known for generations. We didn't know what triggered it. But several biochemists have found out. Hey, they have found out. Oh, yeah. Tasteless, colorless, odorless. It's cheap to manufacture. And put in the drinking uh, water of a metropolitan water system. It, uh, this warfarin's rat poison. Yes. Well... It's about the same percentage of effective as the poison is in warfarins, which is around decimal point three zero four one percent. 
I just have to stop it there really quick. Think about this. This guy's got it down to the 0.341% of the poison you need to put into the water supply of a metropolitan system to collectively stop people from procreating. Stop their biological choices. He talks about Planned Parenthood, birth control, abortions as voluntary um, parent parenting. But we need to collect. It's all always about collectivism. That's why I hammer that term instead of socialism or communism or Marxism or all these other things that you hear about that, you know, have varying aspects of it. But at the end of the day, collective, collective, collectivism. And that means someone else is going to decide for you. And listen to these people. Seriously, take a good listen. We'll poison the water supply. <laughs> and then they laugh about it. That's the best part. <laughs> and no mammal will conceive. Well, that percentage is in the water. Is that so? No. Dogs, cats, cows, anything that's a human being. No deleterious results, whatever. No. <clears throat> and you stop it for six, seven weeks. Bang. Fertile again. Now, if you haven't got a metropolitan water supply, you can put it in candy yeah? or soft drinks. Here's mm -hmm. yeah? an eyedropper. Well, yeah, but... Uh, you could, but it's much simpler to put it in something like that. And, uh, yeah. Just the same as the Sabin-like live vaccine. Just like the Sabin-like live vaccine. So he even, he makes the association of population control and sterilization through poisoning the water supply, poisoning candy, which is usually marketed at children and then soft drinks. But they says, you know what? You do it live. Just like that Sabin vaccine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Vaccine it up. Yeah. Here we wouldn't touch the Sabin vaccine. We wouldn't even run tests on it. Look at what the Russians did. They proved up on one, two and three Sabin vaccines. When they ran 79 million one year, they put it in, in candy. Yeah. They beat us on that, huh? Hmm? They were ahead of us on that? Oh, yes. They, were, they did it by the millions. Oh, yes. They did it by the millions. Fantastic. Just lovely. All right. Uh, I'm torn between going to Klaus House next. And the Club of Rome, that's probably what we need to do. Klaus and the Club of Rome. Now, I'm going to play the famous Penetrate the Cabinets clip. And what a lot of people don't point out is that Klaus is sitting next to David Gergen. And Gergen is a big political insider, part of past administrations, all over mainstream media the past couple decades. Um, became kind of infamous. In fact, we are, uh, we're past the YouTube so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll see if we can't find it on YouTube. Uh, Alex Jones, David Gergen.
Gergen. This is uh, where Alex Jones. <laughs> nope, of course. Why? No, all just mainstream bashing of Jones. Let's see if I can find it via DuckDuckGo. I bet you I can. DuckDuckGo, here we go. So, yeah, of course. First thing, man, the, the, the search results are just so different. So um, let, let's do it. Let's go to the five-minute clip because maybe there's a breakdown of the Bohemian Grove. And, and let me say this again. You know, we've been showing you Bohemian Grove uh, annals that I have and, you know, books. And I want to reiterate again, I don't believe it to be Moloch. They don't have it written down as Moloch. They may do Baal or Moloch type rituals via the cremation of care with the owl, but their deity is the owl based on its wisdom, its ability to see in the dark, and its predatory nature. It also may represent Minerva, according to their writings. Just want to put that out there. So let, let's let's do it live, and let's go to David Gergen and Alex Jones, and we'll watch Gergen sitting there with Klaus House. Oh, we, we're trying to introduce it. Yeah, let's go. He's this guy. Is there like more extras? Come on, just give me the jump. David Gergen, top presidential advisor to Ford, Reagan, George Herbert Walker Bush, and Bill Clinton. We couldn't believe our luck. It just so happens that David Gergen is also a prominent member of the Bohemian Grove the offshoot of Skull and Bones. This insider of insiders, a staple of the White House for 22 years, got very upset when we brought up Bohemian Grove to him. He didn't deny its existence. He didn't deny that he was a member. He didn't deny the rituals. He just became angry and didn't act very gentlemanly. Hey, Mr. Gergen, can we talk to you for a second? Uh, where are you from? I'm Alex Jones. I have a TV show in Austin. I make documentaries. I mean, just a few questions about the convention. Yeah, what, is our camera? Or are you? Yeah, right there. Just about. Yeah, but I, I just want to get your permission first. Here. Okay. Okay. Just, it's local. I can. I, I've got. No, I understand. Uh, just one minute or two. Okay, great. We're talking to David Gergen, and he. <laughs> I, I mean, I just. You know, I, I. I bet you Gergen was so upset that he. Uh, he. <laughs> he had a bad feeling about this one from the beginning. Let's be honest has advised several presidents and, of course, has uh, written quite a few uh, books and uh, is a, I would call you a political pundit or researcher. Commentary at Over the Hill, whatever. One last question. I read a Washington Times article many years ago where you had a comment about the organization, and then now it's been in the Wall Street Journal, it's been in a lot of different newspapers, and that's the Bohemian Grove. And back in, what was it, 19... Uh, 96 when you joined uh, as a clinton advisor they were the republicans were criticizing you oh what about bohemian grove and then you counter uh, and then you countered them by saying hey i don't run around in the woods naked what did that mean here is the before mentioned washington times article where he said i didn't run around naked like they do i, I don't i don't know what i don't know what quote you're referring to i'm not aware of any quote like that uh listen uh, i am uh, 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 a happy member of the Bohemian Grove. I like the, uh, the folks who come there, and uh, it's really inappropriate for me to uh, talk about a uh, uh, the group beyond that. Thank you. Have you been there for the ceremony with uh, the cremation of care? Uh, frankly, that's uh, that. Uh, I don't think that's something I need to talk to you about. <laughs> frankly, I don't think that's something I need to talk to you about. I mean, seriously, they they 
they did not like Alex Jones exposing this. You know, I saw some people in the comments that, oh, did he stay? He didn't stay. This isn't staged. He really broke into the Bohemian Grove. It wasn't staged. I mean, the conspiracies within conspiracies, man. Somebody <laughs> on Twitter uh, tagged me in this Alex Jones was right piano bit. And, like, it starts off with, like, Alex Jones's Bill Hicks and a whole bunch of other stuff in there that's just total Johnny nonsense. And somehow it's become, you know, the, the edgy, fringy Alex Jones folklore. It's weird. Have you been there for the service? Midsummer sets us free. By the way, I have those recordings. Uh, one of the annals that I have, uh, I'm only missing two now, guys. I've man, I'm so I, I've got two through, I think two through ten. I think I'm missing eleven and one. Um, it's Walter Cronkite who's like recorded on that. He's a big Bohemian Grover. Um, the disc has like a bunch of the show tune stuff too. But you have to acknowledge that these guys like to dress up in cloaks and do weird stuff. Ceremony with uh, the cremation of care. Uh, frankly, that's, uh, that, uh, I don't think that's something I need to talk to you about. Really? That's right. Well, I'm Alex Jones, and I snuck in there in 2000. I'm the guy that blew it wide open. And got the video. It's been on national TV. Well, I disrespect you for that. You do? I do. But it's a lot of big public officials going in there. You don't took, we deserve to know? You took an, I don't know anything about you, and I don't know anything about your film. But if you go in there with an understanding, you violated that understanding by releasing that film, and I don't respect you for that. Really? Oh, you, yeah, public you, I'm sorry. You took an understanding when you went in there that you would not do that film. And you did, did you have an understanding when you went in there? No. Did you crash it? Yes. Yeah, and it has no trespassing signs there too, doesn't it? No, they put yes, them up after. Oh, I'm I sorry. Just walked in. I'm sorry, sir. I've been there before. I know what I want the circumstances are, and I'm sorry you uh, violated the understandings. That was not that was not a gentlemanly thing to do. But what about the ritual? Is the ritual gentlemanly? <laughs> Sir, everything they, you, I, I, don't, I don't owe you this comment. I know. I'm you, 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 you have you. This is what's called ambush journalism, and I disrespect you for that as well. So thank have you, you ever and goodbye. Been the That's none of your damn business. <laughs> That's none of your damn business. Was that stage two? Did Jones stage that? Now, did Bill Hicks stage that this one? Here he goes. He goes. That is a three pointer. Oh, right. Listen, oh. listen. You go around and, and make understandings with people and violate them. You, you ambush people on the streets, and that's, that's inappropriate form of journalism. If you wish to practice that, that's fine, but don't ask others to respect you for it. If you, want to, you, you can do it. You're free American, like anything you want. If you want to be uncivil and rude and ungentlemanly, that's up to you. But don't expect the rest well, of us to say, oh, well, you're there, Mr. Gergen. I'm sorry. Nobody sets policy in there. We try to be gentlemen, and obviously you don't belong there. Weaving spiders come out here? <laughs> yeah, that is a three-pointer. I love it. Weaving spiders come not here. So from that to the Klaus house sitting with Gergen, talking about penetrating the cabinets, talking about France in particular. And then after the clip, you'll see, I believe it's the French prime minister, um, being confronted about the relationship with Klaus House and the Davos crew. 
Okay. And now think about it. The Davos crew, very much a part of the Bohemian Grove crew. See how they intersect? See how that works? This um, notion to integrate young leaders is part of the World Economic Forum since many years. When I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Pres of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a reception. Look, we all know that Klaus speaks English well. It's not his first language. But when he says penetrate the cat, you notice he actually penetrates. He's penetrating. So this idea that he doesn't know exactly what he's talking about and how he's talking about and how he feels about it, he very much means that he's penetrated, okay, the political and economic systems of nation states through their leaders. Um, president of, of Argentina and so on, said we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and I would know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy forum. And that's true in Argentina, too. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina, and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I'm here with the president, who is a young global leader, but... Question commentary, questions and comments. Uh, the honorable member for Oshawa. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I listened to my colleague's speech. I had a constituent that wanted me to ask a question about outside interference to our democracy. Klaus Schwab is the head of the World Economic Forum, and he bragged how his subversive WWEF World Economic Forum has, quoted, infiltrated governments around the world. He said that his organization had penetrated more than half of Canada's cabinet. And I was wondering, in the interest of transparency, could the member please name which cabinet ministers are on board with the WEF's agenda? My concern is the deputy. Uh, order, order, order. I, I know it was. I know that uh, the member was in a, a really good, good question there, but the 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 audio is really, really bad. And the audio is not bad. The audio is not bad. And by the way, I'm I'm sorry. It's not France. It was uh, Canada. But again, the audio is not bad. And you can see. Uh, we'll go back to that in a second. But you can see right here when he cuts it. Watch, the, look at his face. Klaus Schwab is the head of the World Economic Forum, and he bragged how his subversive WW. Well. See that? Oh, that's a great question. We're not going to answer it. The audio is bad. The audio is not bad. They cut away right here. He's like, what do we do with this guy? WEF, World Economic Forum, has quoted infiltrated governments around the world. He said that his organization had penetrated more than half of Canada's cabinet. And I was wondering, in the interest of transparency, could the member please name which cabinet ministers are on board with the WEF's agenda? My concern is the deputy. Uh, order, order, order. I, I know it was. I know that uh, the member was in a, a really good, good question there, but the 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 audio is really, really bad, and the video is really, really bad as well. Um, and I and I and I apologize. I don't know if if the member. Okay, uh, let's let's uh, let's try again. The honorable. The, the, 
The Honorable Member for Timmins James Bay. Mr. Speaker, that member was promoting open disinformation. That's not debate. We have to call out disinformation. Uh, we'll get into debate again. Uh, the Honourable Member, uh, questions and comments, the Honourable Member for Lambton, Ken Middlesex. There is no debate. There is no debate. We're not even going to acknowledge the question. We're going to let somebody stump and just say it's debunked. Debunked. Open disinformation. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's the way to have a civil discussion. That's certainly the way to prove your point. That makes sense. Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon right here. Um, killing it. I, I'm sure the vast majority, especially if you watch this network, have seen the viral video of the two kids talking about how we don't like Repu we don't like Republicans. I could give a rat's ass Republicans, Democrats, but these these kids are are just total talking points for the DNC. I mean, detached completely from reality. And, and they, I mean, they look like children. They sound like children. And these two clips in particular show how ridiculous they are. And Tim Dillon doing a great job of showing how ridiculous they are. Like it's, it's actually really hard in this space, right? Like we have like 45 seconds to record a video, keep right. people's attention. And a lot of the people on our side, like if they start hearing, like I've actually done it before. I've, I've criticized like a Democrats, like specifically Hakeem Jeffries. And it, it all just went south. Like I started losing followers. Like, oh my God, I said something I honestly felt about a Democrat. And I started losing followers and that's no good. I, I mean, I'm telling you right now on this program, I don't detract from what I say or not cover subjects because I think I'm going to lose followers. Think about how disingenuous that is. It's bad, right? And I really want to be that person that like reaches the other side because Democrats, I mean, they're horrible at their jobs, right? They do a lot of sh shitty things, although I'll vote for them all the time. Um, but it, it's also hard in the space to criticize. Like, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, it, it's so funny because I, I wish I had the longer clip because <laughs> Tim Dallin goes, hey, clip that. And he goes, oh, no, no, please don't clip that. I mean, think about how ridiculous. I mean, look at these guys. If I if I told you they were sophomores in high school, would you not believe me? And think about what this kid just said. He admits he can't criticize the party legitimately because he'll lose followers. And then he admits they do shitty things and they're horrible at their jobs. I mean, you're doing well here, fella. It's it's actually really hard in this space, right? Like we have like 45 seconds to record a video, keep right. people's attention. And a lot of the people on our side, like if they start hearing, like I've actually done it before. I've, I've criticized like a Democrats, like specifically Hakeem Jeffries. And it, it all just went south. Like I started losing followers. Like it's bad, right? And I really want to be that person that like reaches the other side because Democrats, I mean, they're horrible at their jobs, right? They do a lot of sh shitty things, although I'll vote for them all the time. Um, but it, it's also hard in the space to criticize. Like, on our side. Really hard. On our side. On our side. Do shitty things. Still vote for them. Can't criticize them. That's you being a part of a cult, period. That's cult town. It's cult town USA, baby. That's what that is. This one is even more revealing. Because uh, it's the other kid that starts talking, and he basically goes down the line with Democratic talking points of fantasy land, 
that Joe Biden is the best thing since breakfast and somehow running the country and an effective president, all of which is nonsense. Yeah, effective at what? Destroying this country from within on behalf of a globalist predator class agenda. Just signing off on it, making no decisions. Like, hey, Back in the day, Joey B was a little slick. He's like, let's go after Michael Flynn for the Logan Act. You know who had been talking about the Logan Act for many, many years? This guy. This guy. Not to go after Michael Flynn with, but to go after people within our government that were meeting at the Bilderberg Group, setting policy at the Bilderberg Group. That's a violation of Logan Act about to happen in the next couple of weeks, supposedly in Lisbon, Portugal. That's what we're hearing. We'll see. We'll see. So let, let, let's uh, let's play this second clip. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what What do you what? Give me the what? What's the pitch for Joe Biden? Oh, man. I mean, do you want me to go down the list? Go down the list. Oh, man. What do you would you want me to go down the list? Whoa. What's the pitch for Joe Biden? All right. I won't go into detail on each one, but I think generally his presidency has been incredibly successful in terms like one of the most productive presidents in modern American history, undoubtedly. American Rescue Plan, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Deal, uh, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, the PACT Act, the CHIPS Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, rejoining the WHO, historic judicial nominees, first black woman on the Supreme Court, child Who tax cares? credit. But I mean <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? First of all, being a part of the WHO, terrible. One of the things that Trump did was to get us out. So it's not like Joe Biden got us into the Paris Climate Accords or the WHO. The truth is that Trump got us out of those bad things. And Joe Biden just signed off on what was an already globalist agenda. There is no inflation reduction from the Inflation Reduction Act. It's the Build Back Better. He's admitted it. Admitted it. So it's a program of slavery under the guise of sustainability. Just played you the Ron Johnson clip of what they want to spend for the infrastructure bill. And now Tim Dillon's going to eviscerate them on the identity politics stuff. Capping insulin at $35 First black woman on the Supreme Court. What? Like, I'm, I'm, that's good. I mean, but she's also, like, aside from you, that, but and just putting an extremely qualified nominee on the Supreme Court. I mean, okay, but Don, say that. Say, well, say, I think it's a combination of things. Say, like, a first black woman who's an amazingly qualified well, yeah. you know and we spoke and i just otherwise we're just checking boxes it doesn't seem to make sense well i've spoken to her qualifications but what like the point is there is that she is obviously far more qualified than any of the nominees that trump put on so it's like do you want qualified people like political ideology aside do you want qualified people or do you just want people who are going to rule and Brett kavanaugh is qualified amy coney barrett's qualified you may amy, disagree with them amy coney barrett is nowhere near as yeah, qualified yeah. like Tanya brown jackson well listen well, well uh, define qualifications in that sense. Just time served. Like Amy Coney Barrett only had a, a very short amount of time actually serving as a judge, whereas right. Katanji Brown Jackson had far more experience, um, you know, worked more in the field prior to being a judge, um, and her opinions were more consistent. Like Amy Coney Barrett had a lot of like inconsistencies. Well, now we're politicizing it. So well, yeah, we're just yeah, going to yeah. go with qual, but whatever. <laughs> well, we're, now we're politicizing it. Uh, listen, the kid on the left. Uh, in, in the gray shirt. He's a little brighter than the other kid, you can tell. And, and he seems to be the, the leader, but he's brighter in the sense that he's got um, muscle memory in his mind. In other words, he can go to those Bernaysian talking points, those, those check boxes. 
He knows exactly what to say. He's actually pretty decent on the comeback, but it's ludicrous. First of all, I, I'm no Brett. Brett Kavanaugh came up in the Bush administration uh, under the mentorship of Carl Turd Blossom Rove. Let me say it again. Carl Turd Blossom Rove, who's all over Fox News as a contributor on every show, right? And if you don't think that some of the people that may have may have stretched out to the the Tuckins length, like Laura Ingram, every once in a while, she wouldn't go as hard as Tucker, but she says reasonable things. That's that's going to be peeled back. Bring on the Rove. We love Carl. That's that's what's on, <laughs> on the table. And let me say this: let me give uh, credit to Gutfeld because he's defended Tucker a couple times now. All right, and and Gutfeld has got the most popular show there now, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially right now when he's got no late-night comedy competition. And, and really, what is the Greg Gutfeld show? It's very much like Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher before it was real time, right? He's shortened the panels now, and he has the front interview. But back in the day, Politically Incorrect was really just Bill Maher and four guests. Let's see. I sent you the longer. Oh, did you send me the longer version of, of which clip? I'm not sure. My producer just uh, texted me. Um, while that's going on, too, I want to thank uh, the tips over at Rockfin. Thank you so much, uh, Scott, Stephen, and Tara, as well as uh, TD last week. I couldn't do it without you. Everything is appreciated. I think we're going to be good on the the longer uh, the the longer clip. You probably it's the longer clip of Dylan, right? Where he's like, hey. <laughs> clip that yeah maybe we'll play that uh comedy style tomorrow got about 20 minutes uh left in the broadcast and i've got a bunch of other stories that i haven't even hit up and especially in the epstein uh case so you know he went after uh geraldo rivera who took a swing at carlson after the fact we know there's a non-disparagement clause so tucker's not going to be able to come out and say what happened, obviously. It'll be interesting if he gets to comment on the media matters leaks that have only made him look better. But really what I, I'm concerned about is, is he not going to be able to do anything prior to the election cycle? Because I think that he is, even not on Fox News, extremely important in at least getting people out to vote. And bringing up real issues. And I don't think they like that RFK Jr. was featured recently there, among many other things. Apparently, everyone understands nonsense banter between segments, except for hall monitor failures bitterly chronicling the lives of the far more successful. Like I said, those leaks only made him look better. Only made him look better. You know, I didn't play the two Klaus clips. We'll do that, and then we'll come back to a couple of these stories. Um, these are Klaus talking about his relationship to uh, the Club of Rome. Okay, there, There's a couple of them. I have one clip of him talking about that relationship all the way back in 73, talking about climate change, which, again, is the guise for the command and control system that they want to put under. Okay, And then we've got a clip of the Club of Rome. Now, we've played... Um, that one, we did a watch along with one of these old school 1970s Club of Rome documentaries, essentially telling you doom and gloom from the supercomputer, 
right, that looked ridiculous at the time, and that we need to cut, cut the population. Sustainability. Okay, so here's Klaus talking about him loving the clubbing. I've worked on climate change for 25 years. I've worked on climate change since 73. So you Just to tell you, because I was the person who gave the Club of Rome the first big platform. I share with you the concern and... Um, I think we can solve those issues only if we repair our global architecture and our global system. Our global architecture and system. I give Club of Rome first large platform. Zigar! <laughs> Club of Rome then held a press conference where they announced that the computer had predicted that the world was heading for a disaster. From a very large number of computer runs, making various assumptions, ad adopting various maxima and minima, there is in fact a general forecast of a breakdown of world society in the first decades of the next century. We regard the, the MIT report as an extraordinarily important initial pioneering effort. It's and notice uh, that never happened past the first decade of the next century well past it and it's still not going to happen but it's the sky is falling doom and gloom we know better than you we're at the 11th hour we're at the 12th hour right we played that yesterday we're at the 12th hour get out of here with that johnny nonsense opening up a great new field of research research on the world as a system the club of rome published a book called the limits to growth which laid out forester's world model and its frightening conclusions. It was a bestseller, and it transformed the debate about the environment. Because Forrester's model offered a way of conceptualizing the problem that seemed to be scientific and therefore neutral. His vision of the world as one interconnected system seemed to transcend politics and the petty interests of nations. Now, it's the political interests of collectivism so this whole notion of the nation state etc that's eroded over time infiltrated and penetrated over time through not only cabinet members and prime ministers but treaties but treaties decoding the un cybercrime treaty and remember it's cyber terrorism don't don't think that that's not integrated into misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, the whole spectra of big tech control and censorship, and eventually the criminalization of thought crimes. We already really have the criminalization in uh, some Western nations now of thought crimes. We saw that again and again and again during the COVID-1984 nightmare. They just show up for a social media post. Believe me, it's going to get much, much worse, especially if they get their doom and gloom. We got to manage the population and then we got to have climate lockdowns because we're destroying the, 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 the earth. I mean, talk about horrid. Talk about nightmarish. A lot of it stems here from th this thing that was supposed to be apolitical, but was anything but. It's pro-new world order, pro-globalization. Then in Stockholm. In 1972, the United Nations held a conference for the first time ever 
on the world environmental crisis. And the international bureaucrats who ran it turned to this idea of the world as a system to provide the conceptual framework. The world needed to be managed in a new, non-political way to avoid the threat of global collapse. Now, this is the beginning of a debate. Nobody's decided precisely what the limits are. One can question whether it's 2010 where we all collapse or 2050 when we all collapse. But what is absolutely certain is you cannot run a planetary society on the total irresponsible sovereignty of 120 different governments. It simply can't be done. There it is. It's about collectivism. It's about globalization. It's about Zinu Veld Oda. That's what it's about. Believe it. All right, let's hit some of these other stories uh, that I wanted to grab. Let's see, is that where we're at? This is where we're at right here. LinkedIn's billionaire, Reed Hoffman, visited Jeffrey Epstein's private island, planned to visit New York City mansion back in 2014. Uh, as I stated yesterday from the Wall Street Journal article that got put out there, um, there's going to be a lot of other mainstream media that's going to be dissecting that article. I'd love to see the documents. Love, 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 love to see the documents. That's just me. Billionaire LinkedIn co-founder Reed Hoffman visited Jeffrey Epstein's private island and had plans to stay at Epstein's notorious Manhattan townhouse back in 2014, a new report revealed. Hoffman, 55, paid a single visit to Epstein's Caribbean island, Little St. James, also known as Pedophile Island, where Epstein and gal Ghislaine Maxwell allegedly abused underage girls, the Wall Street Journal has reported. Joy Ito, the then MIT media lab director was also in attendance and had asked Hoffman and Epstein to help him raise funds for MIT. Isn't that lovely? I mean, wait, wait a minute, didn't Club of Rome limits growth, MIT? Oh, oh, it's almost like there's connections everywhere. Connections everywhere. Ito confirmed Hoffman's involvement in the MIT fundraising on Epstein's Island in an email to the journal. Reed attended a few fundraising events at my request, including one trip to Little St. James. After I confirmed to Reed that Mr. Epstein had been approved an approved donor target for MIT in accordance with university rules and regulations. Isn't that nice? Hoffman also penned an email to the journal apologizing forever meeting with the convicted sex offender. While I relied on MIT's endorsement, ultimately, I made the mistake, and I am sorry for my personal misjudgment. Now, there's a, a piece, we're gonna read as much of it as we possibly can uh, in the next 10 minutes from Whitney Webb, who has done tremendous work on the Epstein case and currently has this uh, article featured at oh, uh, Unlimited Hangout, uh, really great. Unraveling the Epstein-Chomsky relationship, okay? Recent revelations that the renowned linguist and political activist met with Jeffrey Epstein several times have surprised and confused many. Why was Epstein interested in meeting with Noam Chomsky? And why did Chomsky agree to meet with him despite his past? The answer may surprise you. That's, a, I believe, a Twitter feed right there. Let's see. Oh. Look at you. Thank you, Patty. Patty just uh, 
bought me a coffee, let me know via Twitter. That's another great way to support the broadcast. The links are down below. That's how you support me directly. But really, redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored to get those two extra interviews every single week. I mean, we're doing it eight hours live and free, and then we're giving you two, two, two more. So you get some new Burmese material over the weekend as well. What more could you ask for? On Sunday, the Wall Street Journal published a report detailing information contained within a trove of previously unreported documents and deceased sex uh, trafficker Jeff uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Those documents, which have not been publicly released and appear to have been passed solely to the journal, included Epstein's private calendar and meeting schedule. The documents per the journal contain thousands of pages of emails and schedules from 2013 to 2017. As the report notes, detail Epstein's dealings with several prominent individuals whose names were not on the flight logs or his infamous little black book of contacts. We've covered this. One of these individuals is the renowned linguist, political commentator, and critic of capitalism and empire, Noam Chomsky. Chomsky, who has previously discussed the Epstein case in interviews, and who has maintained that Epstein's ties to intelligence agencies uh, should be considered a conspiracy theory, had not previously disclosed these meetings. Shocking. Shocking. Chomsky, when confronted by journal reporters, was evasive, but ultimately admitted to meeting and knowing Jeffrey Epstein. Well, how about that? Wang diggity doo! Many largely on the left have expressed dismay and confusion as to why someone with the political views of Chomsky would willingly meet, not once but several times, with someone like Jeffrey Epstein, particularly well after Epstein's notoriety as a sex trafficker and a pedophile. As this report will show, Epstein appeared to view Chomsky as another intellectual who could help guide his decisions when it came to his scientific obsessions, namely transhumanism and eugenics what chomsky gained in return for meeting with uh epstein isn't as clear baby making farms anybody hmm? anybody bueller bueller according to the journal chomsky's meeting with epstein took place during the years 2015 and 2016 while chomsky taught at the massachusetts institute of technology or mit chomsky told the journal that he met with Epstein to discuss topics like neuroscience with other academics, like Harvard's Martin Nowak, who was heavily funded by Epstein. On a separate occasion, Chomsky's, uh, Chomsky again met with uh, Epstein alongside former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, allegedly to discuss Israeli's policy, Israel's policy with regard to Palestinian issues and the international arena. A separate date, saw Chomsky and his wife invited by Epstein to have dinner with him. Woody Allen and Allen's wife, Soon Yi, Pervin, um, so they were at that dinner with Chomsky. Very interesting. When asked about the dinner date with Woody Allen and Epstein, Chomsky referred to the occasion as an evening spent with a great artist. I'll bet. Never liked the Woody Allen films. Gotta, gotta tell you, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was soured at a young age by the I married my daughter thing. I was soured then and obviously thought, mm. but I, I remember, you know, being told about, I think Annie Hall was the big one. Even people tried to get me to watch it in college and they all just, Woody Allen was never funny to me. 
The, the movies were never funny. They're never really that entertaining. But whoa, the, he's a great artist. Okay. You know, I'm I'm probably too much of a bro, frat boy type to understand Woody Allen. I don't get the nuance. When confronted with this evidence, Chomsky initially told the journal that his meetings and relationship with Epstein were none of your business or anyone's. He then added that I knew him, Epstein, and we met occasionally. <laughs> For continuing further, it's important to note that aside from Epstein, both Ahud Barak and Woody Allen have been accused of having inappropriate sexual relationships with minors. Excuse me. Ooh. Yikes. For instance, Barack was a uh, frequent visitor to Epstein's residences in New York so often that the Daily Beast reported that numerous residents of the apartment building linked to Epstein had seen Barack in the building multiple times over the last few years, and nearly half a dozen more described running into his security details. Adding that the building is majority owned by Epstein's younger brother, Mark, and has been tied to the financier's alleged New York trafficking ring. Specifically, several apartments in the building were uh, being used to house underage girls from South America, Europe, and the former Soviet Union, according to a former bookkeeper employed by one of Epstein's main procurers of underage girls, Jean-Luc Grenell. Jean-Luc is dead. Jean-Luc was in a prison in Spain and killed himself, apparently. Allegedly. Hmm. Don't hear about that one as much, do we? Sure don't. You know, in pictures on planes with Epstein and Glenn Maxwell, in pictures, in IDF gear, no biggie. No biggie. Barack is also known to have spent the night at one of Epstein's residences at least once was photographed leaving Epstein's residence as recently as 2016 and has admitted to visiting Epstein Island, which has sported nicknames including Pedo Island, Lolita Island, and Orgy Island. In 2004, Barack received $2.5 million from Leslie Wexner's Wexner Foundation, which we talk about often on this program, where Epstein was a trustee as well as one of the foundation's top donors several years later. Uh, Barack put Harvey Weinstein in contact with the Israeli private intelligence outfit Black Cube, which employs former Mossad agents and Israeli military intelligence operatives, as Weinstein sought to intimidate the women who had accused him of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Gotta love that involvement of Weinstein and Epstein and Barack and Black Cube and the Mossad. Just checking boxes. Checking those. See, these boxes have nothing to do with identity politics or political parties and everything to do with a compromised system of command and control by sociopathic lunatics. You know, and the people that they buy and the people that they compromise and the ways that they do so that involve underage girls. In addition, Barack previously chaired and invested in Carbine 911, a controversial Israeli emergency service startup that has expanded around the world and has become particularly entrenched in the United States. Barack has directed Epstein to invest $1 million into that company, which has been criticized 
as a political tool for warrantless mass surveillance. Leslie Wexner has also invested millions in the company. In Woody Allen's case, he has been accused of sexually assaulting his adopted daughter, Dylan Farrow, when she was seven years old. The abuse claim has been corroborated by witnesses and other evidence. Furthermore, Allen refused to take a polygraph administered by state police in connection with the investigation and lost four exhaustive court battles related to child custody and abuse of Dylan Farrow. One of the judge, and by the way, um, you know, it, it was um, Ronan Farrow that really blew the lid off the black cube connection. One of the judges in the case described Allen's behavior towards Dylan as grossly inappropriate that measures must be taken to protect her. According actress Mia Farrow, Dylan's mother alleged in court that Allen took sexual interest in her adopted daughter when she was between the ages of two and three years old. <sighs> yeah. Here's the deal, guys. It's the end of the week, but that doesn't mean you can't get more Jason Burmis. Redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. Redvoicemedia.com slash Uncensored. Sign up for $10 today. I'll tell you a buck today for the first week. 10 bucks a month. Lock it in. Tell them Jason Burmis sent you for 100 bucks for the year. Two, two, two interviews going to be released over the weekend at RVM exclusively. Thank you for joining me. Stay tuned. I'm Fired Up is next. Matt Couch after that. Great lineup, including Ray Dietrich, Drew Burquist, and Wayne Dupree after all that. Love you guys. It's not about left or right. It's always about right and wrong. And we will see you all on the flip side. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi-Fi while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish. Have you heard of Executive Order 14067? This little-known order implemented the digital dollar, the most sinister plan to control your spending. And it gets worse. 
In November, the federal government and banks began a test program to roll out the digital dollar. With this, privacy for all Americans will be lost forever. Imagine, the government can now track all of your spending. The government can tell you what you can and can't buy. The government could confiscate your cash. When digital currency was rolled out in China, Bloomberg wrote, quote, this will lead to control like no other, end quote. The EU has announced that they are next, but it is already happening in America, which makes this wealth protection guide that American alternative assets just put out even more urgent. Project Hamilton, as this secret order is being called, might be the scariest order to happen to privacy and freedom in America since its founding which makes this wealth protection guide so incredibly valuable right now. Move your money out of cash and into something that doesn't infringe on your privacy. You see, there is one legal IRS-proof loophole that could protect your IRA, 401k, and pension savings with gold and silver. And this free guide tells you exactly which steps you need to take right now to move part of your IRA or 401k into precious metals with no tax consequences. As this program rolls out, the sky's the limit for the level of government control that could be enforced on your money. Protect your savings and your privacy. But in the devastation ahead, American Alternative Assets is offering you something rare. A chance to protect your wealth and possibly even grow it. Good morning, America. It is the first time you've ever seen me on a Thursday. We are in the new live stream program. I will be with you every Thursday at 11 o'clock right here on Red Voice Media. And I'm fired up. We'll be here as the show. So don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock. This is my Friday. I'm kind of stoked about it. Um, but tonight at 6 o'clock, the, the crazy train that is the RVM Roundup and all the hoot nanny that goes along with that. So <clears throat> today, yesterday, we kind of showed you how racism worked in, in our political lexicon and who's actually racist and who's not. Um, got some really interesting uh, messages from folks um, that said that I should watch my step. Um, let's see, another one here says, you don't have the right to talk about who's racist and who's not. <clears throat> um, I also got another one here that said, 
you're absolutely full of shit. And the way that you made Joe Biden look was masterful, but still sad and everybody can see it. <laughs> I love hearing from the fans. <clears throat> you know, it's amazing. There's some other ones that are a little more graphic, but I just won't bother with. But the thing is, is if we we have riots and we have people lose their mind and, and go out there and get very loud about things, be it BLM, Antifa, uh, women's rights, trans rights, everybody else's rights. <clears throat> but I'm never seeing anybody's rights being taken away from them. The trans movement is really, really showing that. Or the trans, I don't know why we're calling it trans movement, but whatever. The trans mess. It's a social sexual culture crisis. It's one of those things right now where we have to decide who we're going to be <clears throat> as a country. We have to continuously decide who we're going to be. And this whole trans thing and not being able to talk about racism, not being able to talk about uh, things that are going on or our history because it hurts people's feelings. <clears throat> when did we get so weak? When did we get so sad to the point where I need to draw my feelings, as I saw last night on RVM Roundup? When did we get to the point where Strength is considered the weakness. Our entire country that is the United States and how we've, uh, or how the forefathers set it up with our documentation and how our government is supposed to be is built on strength. It's built on competition. We have things and words <clears throat> that are legal terms like monopoly in order to keep our capitalist society moving in the right direction. So that one over part of the world can't be all things to all people. Because then you get into dictatorships and other craziness. I just don't understand how we keep bringing in these social norms or social fringe situations and try to make it a part of the social norm. The Democrats are masterful at this because I've said it many times on this show, they have no policy. They have no smart concept of foreign uh, geopolitical uh, policy in any way, shape or form. The whole concept of their economy and that of the socialist regimes is, is been proven failure across the planet. Now, I know, <clears throat> I know you sickle bears are going to sit out there and say, no, the Scandinavian countries are great. The one thing we've learned about socialism and communism is you can't go, you can't go half retard. You either go all the way or it doesn't work at all. And then the idea of, of, of a social capitalist democracy is a, is a complete joke because in itself, many of the different policies have a tendency to be hypocritical of the other, especially in the economy. 
we got Bernie Sanders out there now saying if you make over $999 million, it's a 100% tax break or tax. uh, You have to pay those taxes. Everything after $999 million, if you make $1.4 billion in a year, that 0.4 goes to the government. Doesn't matter. There's no percentage. Just all of it. Anything after over $999. But see what that does. <clears throat> and can somebody live on $999 million? Yes. Hell, I could live like a king. Trust me. But those investments go in other places. Diversification of, of what they're doing based off the business that made them the billion dollars. And to just say that if you make over this because you're such a a good uh, a good entrepreneur, then you know what? I th- I think it's important that we just take the money from you. Hell, I don't even know that I'd have a problem with saying, "Hey, anything you may have over a billion dollars, let's give it to homelessness. Let's give it to cancer research. Let's give it." I don't know that I don't want to give anything to research anymore. I'm just saying, but give it to something worthwhile, not a government. Because all, all companies are going to be so upset about it, they're going to start to uh, dump portfolios, get their, uh, their net worth down to where it makes sense, and find other loopholes like they do in our tax law. They bitch about the rich all the time, but they give them the tax law that it is. Why? Because they're all millionaires in, the, in, in, the, in Congress. They use that same tax law. That's why we talk about, listen to the... Listen to the signal, not the noise. And right now, what we're dealing with right in our world <clears throat> that doesn't seem to go away, I've done many different aspects of the trans thing, but today, I think that we need to show how the slippery slope is what it is. And again, trans rights, no trans person has shown me where their right was, was refused in any way, shape, or form. You don't have a right to go take a piss and whip your dick out in front of my niece. You don't have a right to tell a child that we're going to cut your penis off or put you on hormone blockers or MPA, which is uh, chemical castration that they give pedophiles. We're going to go into that mindset in this show about has trans gone too far. I believe it has because the trans movement and everything trans stands for, it's starting to sprout branches. It's starting to, the, the, the trans movement and trans healthcare, let's, the idea of how they're prostituting the words are amazing to me, just like they do with abortion. Abortion is women's health. Okay. I guess if you're growing something inside you, there could be, you got to go to a doctor and stuff that has to do with health. But the idea of aborting a child just because you didn't wear protection or think that through before you had sex is in some way bad for your health. I guess you could look down the road. Yeah, it's going to suck. You, you don't want to be a mom. You're a mom. You know, you, you got to now start feeding another child. There's a whole bunch of different aspects to the negative, of course, but the idea of, of ripping a fetus out of somebody with a hook and calling it, well, they're not really alive. They're, they're a lump of cells. is just disgusting and demonic. 
as that slippery slope gets gets more and more lubed up with the immorality lube of the world, we find ourselves going down that chute so much faster and trying to figure out how we can grab onto anything to get some semblance of normalcy back. Here I sit as a white middle-aged man who has basically been dictated as the most evil thing on the planet Earth. Hell, Dom Lemon said as much, even though he's married to one. Hell, in 10 years, I'm going to be the protected class because we keep going down these immoral and ideological roles. Even Bud Light, Budweiser, a great American company, no longer American, but had been around for a long time, an institution in the concept of beer and, 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 and blue-collar America, is now in deep trouble. It's just weird to me how we continue to look at the fringe as some sort of religion on the other side to the point that people will, will give up who they are to go out and fight. There were people here when BLM was walking around Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, there was like five black people and the rest of them were white. You're saying that you're about unity and that you understand there's, but the, the whole concept of BLM is that we as white people have no understanding of the, of the racial disparity that they deal with on a daily basis. So how is it that you get it, but when I say I get it and disagree with you, I'm evil. Same thing's happening in trans right now. There are people that are out there giddy about taking their children through child, uh, gender transformation. And in this show, I'm going to show you that. I'm going to show you how the slippery slope is going. And I'm also going to give you some semblance of, of where it go, what it looks like after you realize that maybe you're not trans. People tell me all the time on the, on the internet, why do we keep talking about this? You give them any, any room, then they, uh, they keep going. And, it, and all it does is keep them in, through, in the media. Because if we stick our head in the sand, then we end up where we are. We started this PC bullshit 10 years ago. And now look at us. We're getting dominated everywhere by this fringe mentally ill group of people it just seems to be everywhere we can't we keep hearing stories that are just contradictory to the whole idea of the movement which at some point you think somebody would be like hey man i really don't want my kids reading books about blowjobs in in schools gender queer is in a book that my my son or daughter needs to read but there's people out there willing to fight physically so that that book can stay in that school. And then they bring up the Nazis that were burning books and all of this. No, it's about, we should have some control as to what we would like our child raised as in, in our community. It used to be the schools were about the same thing. Our children are under attack like never before. And, and one of the biggest, scariest things right now I'm seeing out there is this entire trans movement that is trying like hell for some reason to indoctrinate and make things make sense to anybody, to these kids especially, so that when they're coming home, they're actually arguing with their parents.
It's not a generational shift. It's not a generational awakening. There's some evil people in this movement. And unfortunately, they seem to be at the tip of the spear and everywhere. Cut one. Hi, I don't have a uterus. I'm non-binary and I wanted to say something about trans inclusive language and abortion. Thank you. What I see people doing is using the word women when they mean women and using the word people who need abortion services when they mean people who need abortion services. They are technically two different things, and I would hope that we all wouldn't want to push linguistically for birthing and pregnancy to be synonymous with womanhood for a lot of reasons. So <laughs> trans-inclusive language doesn't erase anyone. I don't know how you don't look at Jeffrey Marsh and think that there is some demonic, demonic shit in that dude. Granted, some of them have a better, but he looks at you telling you that you're going to respect us. You're going to do what we ask you to do. With an arrogance as if to say, or X. Not sure what X is, but you look at that non-binary, trans, sexual, whatever, that is so confused. And I can prove it's confused because he seems to be acting just like he decided, let's see, what is going to, I'm a man, so, so I got to find a woman that I want to be like. And it seems like he just keeps watching reruns of Golden Girls as he stands there, sits there and talks to you like he's Blanche from the Golden Girls. He's the tip of the spear trying to take the identity of women away. Threatening women at this point, saying, you're just going to have to deal with it. Our existence is what it is, and we see ourselves as women, and you will see us as women i see those things and i've reached out to jeffrey a hundred times trying to get him to come on the show and i want to have a real dialogue because there's a there's a defense mechanism that comes up in me that makes me want to say i'm going to walk up to you jeffrey and i'm going to say you're not a woman just to see what that evil look is because i feel i am prepared trained and ready for whatever evil you think you're going to bring down on me by the fury of god because you are in some way more righteous than i as we go through the rest of this show i'm going to empower you and give you some facts and understanding that you can use out in the real world just as i would with jeffrey marsh we'll be right back after this we love the internet but the internet is tracking everything you do take control of your online privacy with ip vanish people with malicious intent are everywhere watching you criminals can hack your wi-fi while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data with ip vanish on your device your internet activity is encrypted no one can see what you're doing your location your connection completely hidden protect your internet privacy today with ip vanish
Welcome back, everybody. I am Chad Kate. This is I'm Fired Up, our new Thursday show as the new live streaming format comes out. I want to welcome everybody back. And today we are talking about how far is trans going? How far have we gone? And how do we stop some semblance of crazy around here? Before the commercial, I had Jeffrey Marsh, who's quite possibly one of the most demonic people out there. He has a look about him. He has a look in his eye that scares me and, and, and not for my own safety, but for who he and what he currently represents. His rhetoric has gotten louder and more uh, <clears throat> vitriolic, if you will, not towards men at all. It seems his target is women. Some chick out there did a number on this dude. I'm not saying it's even your fault, just saying that he's not equipped to handle it. And this is how he's chosen to do it. But I want to continue going down this trans march because it's not something that we can ignore. It's not going away. And it is, and it is growing in a vitriolic sense between those that uh, represent.